0: Welcome to the From Quarantine Podcast, a weekly dose of dry humor from two Americans living in the heart of Europe, hosted by January Newbanks and Tassie Gibson. Hello, Andy Sell. Hello,
1: January Newbanks.
0: Tonight on the other end of my microphone is not Tassie. You'll notice a distinctly male timbre to his voice.
1: I am not Tassie.
0: No, no, you're not Tassie. But... You are my beloved husband. Yes, ma'am. That's your official title, beloved husband. It's on my business card. Yeah. <laughs> of course it is. This is the very first time I have ever recorded with someone face to face. Like, I mean, like Andy and I are sitting using the same microphone, which isn't ideal. Like, you should have your own microphone when you're doing like in-person interviews still but um, we're making it work because uh, this is 2020 and nothing is ideal um, we're rolling with it yeah we're rolling with it and so today I wanted to interview Andy because I think he has a lot of insight into this particular topic which is the future of the workplace and the struggles that we've seen happen as people have like gone from working in offices to working remotely recently um andy's kind of an expert working remotely um he's been working remotely since the early 2000s
1: it's been a bit a minute yeah
0: yeah how like what year did you like go fully remote
1: it was 2002
0: 2002. Yeah, late 2002 so so we're, we're rolling up on a couple of decades here right um and he, he you started managed and eventually sold a co-working space. That's so true. I did. You are, you've been passionate about this, like um, helping people work remotely, helping them like kind of supplement an office environment, uh, the benefits of of not having company overhead and providing like a place for people to work uh, where they can be social, have like that kind of uh, community where there's connections to be made but it's not a traditional office
1: right yep i've seen it from both sides
0: yeah so um you've also held a very important title and that is the minister of technology for Team cell
1: yes it's a it's a lifetime appointment that i'm i'm grateful to have
0: yeah going on 14 years now yes and andy's he's been in charge of and before that i'm sure like the 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 parents part of Team Cell your parents you've been technical support for them since you've been like like what thirteen
1: yeah that was that was my training that led up to this to this appointment
0: <laughs> yeah to the family role of minister of technology and might I say as like one of your customers or constituents constituents I think is, is more accurate yes yeah you've done an excellent job
1: oh well, I thank you yeah. thank you for saying that you're welcome it means it means the world
0: <laughs> just yesterday you had to re what do you call that wipe a phone and like get it ready for our daughter like Indeed. she got a new phone and and you did that with aplomb thank you is that how you say that word always with kind of an accent aplomb
1: we're gonna find out dear, yeah. dear listeners write in if it is not pronounced aplomb
0: aplom. <laughs> it's such a weird word to say with an american accent because like we just don't have the flourish no. for a word like that
1: should we go with acumen that, that feels like a more American. That, that does word. feel like
0: a more American word. You're right. So, working remotely has been your reality for over two decades now, and before that, you watched your dad run his business from home. Mm-hmm. Um. So you have, you have some experience with this. So, starting with after college, you know, in your own work history, um. Talk to me about like what it was like to go from working in a traditional office to working remotely. Like, How did that happen for you?
1: Uh, it, was, it was never anything I really sought out. It kind of stumbled into it. Um, so I graduated college, got a traditional job working for an advertising agency doing web application development. This was in the early 2000s. Uh, so we had the whole dot-com bust, a couple levels of uh, layoffs, so I was finally let go in what turned out to be the fifth of eight rounds of layoffs.
0: Um, you made it pretty far then.
1: Pretty far, yeah.
0: Like Hunger Games-wise, like... I,
1: I did the best I could.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and really and frankly, it was time
1: yeah. at that point.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, you know, you, you lose a job, you go looking for something new. Um, so I found another advertising agency, started working on a contract basis locally in their office and uh it was it was a good job after a few months though i felt uh, i'd been thinking about moving for a while um i'd wanted to live in chicago for a long time so uh late 2002 i thought this is the time i'm you know young time to check out a a bigger city so uh, i told the company i was working with that i was going to be moving to chicago and uh i couldn't work with them anymore and they suggested we try remote out for a while and uh the thought hadn't really crossed my mind, but it sounded good. The pay was really good. So I moved to Chicago in late 2002 and started working remotely for them. And, uh, that kind of continued on just, you know, for a few years. Mm -hmm.
0: So the transition from like the office to the home office, what was that like for you? I mean, you were young and in your twenties, so, you know, you don't have like a whole lot of like, you know, I need to wake up and I have this yoga routine and I have this, right. you know, like you don't have a lot of those things like really nailed down yet.
1: Yeah. And the salary was really good. So it, it, I had kind of everything going for me that you could possibly have. I had, I was moving to a new apartment. I could set it up the way I wanted. I had the income appropriate to buy the exact equipment I wanted. So I bought a couple monitors. I had a you know budget for a new computer. So uh, it kind of had the opportunity to set up the home office that I wanted. So uh, for me, it worked out really well. I had no roommates that I had to worry about sharing the space with. Um, And I think because of that, I transitioned into it really well.
0: Yeah. Which is obviously not the case for a lot of people who are like, it's thrust upon right now.
1: Right. There are a lot of people right now working from home who had not planned on working from home and maybe who aren't enjoying it.
0: Yeah. Um, And I think, there's a lot of challenges that come along with having it thrust upon you. I mean, like one of the things like when I, when we, when Tassie and I started this podcast, one of our first episodes was working from home and, and I used some tips from you because you've been reticent to be interviewed directly. If I can be frank, that's, that's correct. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I used some tips from a conversation with you and you, you talked about, you know, setting up a dedicated space. And that's just not like if you have leased a flat or a house or bought purchased any your living quarters um, and you weren't planning on working from home, it can be a real challenge to find a workspace. And I know I've seen a lot of people like we bought a standing desk in the midst of all of this. Um, I've seen a lot of people like uh, a friend of mine from Tennessee who... Uh, sent me pictures of her husband putting together a sanding desk for her because she's like an office worker, right? And has been like a you know, like an office worker for her entire career. So she's like, Oh, this is so weird. I'm working, home. and suddenly, Working
1: from the kitchen table isn't something, yeah, uh, that she's used to or. Has, uh, has had on her roadmap.
0: Yeah. And suddenly I have like a second grader and a husband who, he, her husband works remotely um, all the time, but uh, suddenly like they have to work together and you and I have a little experience with that. That's true. Uh, we got married in 2006 and I was working as a marketing director for a, a nonprofit adult literacy agency. um And... I decided to kind of go out on a limb and start my own photography business. Those thumps and scratches you're hearing are the f- the result of our dog Gus, who uh, refuses to be <laughs> locked out of the room without whining underneath the door. So like we have to choose between his clickety-clack claws on our wooden floor. Or his wines. And we felt like maybe this was the more humane option.
1: I think he's settled in now. Yeah. I think he'll sit still.
0: He's under the desk. (laughs) This is fun from recording from home. Like a lot of podcasters, you hear like their kids come in the room and start asking them questions. Like, can I have a snack?
1: It just adds to the authenticity.
0: Yeah, it really does. (laughs) So you and I. Um, you were working remotely at the time. You were actually freelancing.
1: Yeah, I was just a contract employee at the time.
0: Yeah, and um, I started my own business, and we bought a two-bedroom house. Mm. And it was a rather compact little cottage in the middle, middle of Columbus, Ohio. Um, and we so we shared the same smallish bedroom um, as an office for five years. That's right. So... All day and most evenings, we were together all the time. That's right. And it was really funny because um, a friend of ours who had been married for longer than we had was like, Oh man, you guys have like been married for like 20 years in like time spent time because you're sharing the same room. But we had to work out a system of working together because you and I are very different humans we have different personalities and we have definitely have different work needs
1: absolutely yes
0: yeah and one of the things that you cannot do while you're working is talk
1: yeah something about the the left brain and the right brain uh, whatever i'm doing with my work it does not it doesn't allow me to communicate verbally and maintain productivity yeah and that was a real that was a real tricky point when you're sharing <laughs> an office with A verbal processor.
0: Yeah, and a brand new wife. Yes, (laughs) because we were only together for about a year before we got married. It was less
1: than yeah, and then another year before we bought the house.
0: Yeah, so it was we were we were in the thick of the like newlywed stage. So and also, but I did find a workaround. If I texted you, or not texted you, but instant messaged you because at the time.
1: AOL Instant Messenger days. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, if I instant messaged you, I could ask you all the questions I wanted, and we, you would answer them.
1: We could have a whole conversation
0: and not get mad at me. That's right. <laughs> so I found a workaround, and that is that was always fascinating to me. How like it was just like the parts of your brain that were activated while you were working. Um, but we also we we developed a code. Do you want to tell everybody about our code? This is the headphone code? Yeah, yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. We had a, a policy in place, so if uh, if I had headphones on, that meant I was deep in work and uh, I should not be verbally communicated with. Yes. So even if uh, I, I wasn't listening to any music at that particular time, the headphones were on, mm-hmm. just to give to give the clue that you want to talk to me, you, you better. Text it, it. It's a message. ICQ it to me.
0: ICQ <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you like a link to my blog post on, Z- on Zanga. Your, your live journal. <laughs> I never had live journal. Oh, I was a Zanga girl. I was
1: a live journal guy. I don't know mm, how we got together. I don't know
0: how we got together either. It's a how do we find each other? I don't
1: know. <laughs> I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad we did.
0: I'm glad we did too. So we both listened to the same podcast. Like getting into kind of the meat of this conversation, we both listened to the same podcast it was on sam harris's podcast making sense and he was interviewing um matt mullenwig of automatic uh wordpress which, fame yeah wordpress woocommerce uh, what else am i forgetting
1: uh, those are the big ones but yeah the whole a lot of the wordpress ecosystem he's kind of responsible for
0: yeah and so he is particularly a good person to talk to about distributed companies working remotely um, because from the beginning WordPress and Automatic that came out of that was fully distributed. Um, and it started because, and you're going to know much more about this, so I will just tell you what I'm thinking and then you can fill in the sure. blanks. So WordPress started as an API, right? Uh,
1: WordPress started as just an open source blogging platform.
0: Okay. What is the difference between that and API?
1: Um, well, an API is kind of a component of an application.
0: Okay. So I just don't know what I'm talking about. I, Basically.
1: Yeah, we'll cut that off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's okay.
1: There's the snippet.
0: So, so WordPress started as what?
1: WordPress started as an open source blogging platform, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, open source, if you're not familiar with it, meaning that it's generally freely available. Um, anyone can take it and use it, uh, add to it, change it up as they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in in the early 2000s, uh, I think Matt kind of pivoted to uh, his own company, Automatic, where so WordPress still exists as an open source option, but he started adding services to kind of go around WordPress. Mm-hmm. So you could host WordPress yourself or you could sign up at wordpress.com and uh, pay to have it hosted on on the uh, automatics platform.
0: hmm. And WordPress kind of rules the world right now.
1: Yeah, it runs a large percentage of of the Internet. I didn't realize it ran some sites as big as I think he's at New York Times. Yeah. is is being run on WordPress, which is kind of impressive
0: yeah yeah definitely um quarantine dot says, it. Quarantine. says it. it's run on also WordPress. quarantine dot says I think all of our websites are like all of our personal yeah you can you websites. can't deny
1: how easy it is to set up and configure and and use so it's definitely yeah. uh, a good option if you're looking for something quick and easy
0: yeah and you've actually done like contract work with- yeah. With it's true. WordPress, like creating WordPress sites, am I correct? Yes. So um, so we listened to this podcast where Sam Harris, basically, it, it's from March 25th. So it's like right after kind of the panic button was hit. Um,
1: years ago in quarantine time.
0: Years ago. <laughs> now it feels like forever ago. Um, so here in the Czech Republic, we we were put under quarantine March 11th, March 12th. It was somewhere like sometime at midnight, so it's confusing to me whether it was March eleventh at midnight or March twelfth. Yeah,
1: I can't yeah. remember exactly when it was. So yeah, so, I, like, I defer there. to you. It was March.
0: It was March. <laughs> it was in the young early days of March. It was this year. Yes, and um, so we were put under quarantine then. So this is this is about fifteen days after that, um, and the U.S. where these guys are hanging out, um kind of was was on a delay from us a little bit by about that much yeah so like it would have been kind of when they hit the panic button right Uh, because i know that's that's around the time that the uk did and i think the uk and and the u.s did kind of had kind of the same reactionary time except for there were a lot more sick people in the uk at the time when it happened um but so this podcast is from that moment and they talk about the the panic, basically, that companies were having, like suddenly having their entire workforce work from home. And they have a conversation that I think both of us thought was really interesting, where Matt talked through kind of like the levels of a distributed company and the benefits of having a fully distributed workforce in an environment where we have to go on lockdown Um, You know, God forbid, should we have another virus outbreak or if this virus has a resurgence, it's likely given the research that that has come out of, you know, people aren't the antibodies aren't remembering uh, longer than three or four months at this point. Um, So so he has this like five steps, basically, or not five steps, five levels of remote work.
1: Yeah. And backing up, I think it's uh, one, he's, he's kind of uniquely qualified to talk about this. I don't think we've mentioned yet that uh, Automatic was, from its initial days, a fully dist- distributed company. Oh, uh, yeah. They have I got ahead uh, of myself. something like 1,200 employees. Yeah. All in over the world. 70 some countries all over the world. And it's been, been that way from day one. Yeah. Um, so if there's someone to talk to about distributed work, I think matt's a good person to have talk about that
0: yeah because not only do, are they distributed but they're globally distributed right
1: across time zones
0: yeah countries and I, I thought it was interesting when he was talking about setting it up like how they because you work across how many time zones
1: um i work with a company in seattle so we're, we're nine hours different right now
0: yeah um and so they try to keep it within was it six or eight I don't remember what he said. They try to keep the time zones, like people working in teams. Oh, on teams? Yeah. Yeah. So they try to keep people on teams together yeah. within like... Because
1: it's important that you have a good window of time to be able to set up meetings.
0: Yeah. Because, um, I mean, like you've experienced trouble sure. with that. Like, I mean, like your evenings are yeah. pretty much all meetings.
1: It's true. It's It's got its ups and downs because during the day, uh, most of my colleagues are asleep. So I know I can get some good productivity in um and i don't have anyone interrupting me but then of course i I need to reserve my evening time for for communication
0: sure and not every company can adopt a distributed format right i mean like we've got service industry which has obviously seen like a huge hit um we've got factories we've got a lot of stuff although, although there are like there are talks about AI and, and the introduction of AI, like helping to um, stabilize those industries. But that's not great news for the people who have jobs. Um, but it is good news for economic growth. I mean, right. And right now, like we're looking at kind of like an economic downturn that you was completely unexpected. Right. So um, finding ways for, Different industries to survive in this climate is going to be important. But specifically today, we're going to be talking about what Sam and and Matt called knowledge workers. Right. So, um, So people who can work remotely, companies that have the possibility of doing so. It's interesting because right now in the Czech Republic, people are going back to work. So, and you talk to people and people miss their colleagues and they miss the work environment, the social, the this, the that about the office. They but, miss the familiarity. The, yeah. The routine. Yeah. And the people. Yeah. I think socializing is important. Sure. Um, But what they don't miss or what they're going to be sad about letting go of is being able to work Having like a somewhat of an autonomous situation at home where they can work in their most productive way. So they can have kind of slower mornings. They don't have a commute. Um, There's not like the rush on the public transportation. You're kind of sidestepping that completely. Right. And so you have more time to yourself in the mornings. And I know we've really enjoyed uh, having like a little family time.
1: That's been really the best thing about quarantine i think
0: yeah so we've kind of established this pattern of you know getting up having uh an hour and a half or so together to just sit and drink coffee obviously not lucy but <laughs> sit and drink coffee and you know our Gronco if you're lucy which is like basically chocolate milk for um americans listening and you know really have some time to connect as a family before you have to start getting to work because really your evenings a lot of times like we've talked about are spent taking calls so that morning time has become like really important for our family and so I think a lot of times like I was even listening to an interview from Barbara Cochran Cochran Barbara Cochran I don't know her name (laughs) Barbara I know that part but she was on Shark Tank She was one of the judges on Shark Tank. Yeah, so she's like a billionaire or something and she has several companies and she's polled her employees and said like, hey, how happy are you uh, working at home? And people have said, you know, we're happy. We miss the office. Yes, but we don't want to come back to the office five days a week. We'd rather come back to the office like two days a week.
1: That's not surprising.
0: Yeah. Um, And I think... She, from a business perspective, is like, well, hey, like if these guys want to pay my overhead for me, yeah, like in their homes and stuff like that, like what, what would be the downside of me changing my square footage, um, in office space, and kind of making it more egalitarian in terms of like there's no corner offices, there's no, you know, like special spaces for like important people, right? Um, it's what do you call that? term when like you just have desks that oh
1: are... uh hot desks or yeah flexible seating
0: yeah and you know a lot of co-working spaces that's exactly what they are they're yeah. just open kind of
1: first come first serve
0: yeah and you know you can reserve a lot of co-working spaces i know with our co-working space you could um reserve the uh, meeting rooms and things like that for for your specific organization mm-hmm. or if you had conference calls you could do that right um, but it's particularly timely all of these these conversations that we're having about you know shrinking overhead in terms of square footage in offices or hot desking or um, spending half the time working from home um, because whether or not we like it uh, we are facing kind of an uncertain future in terms of like being able to keep doors open in Absolutely. public spaces right so um so yeah so i think that some companies are considering it who may not have considered it before and I think companies
1: right now need to consider the their work environment anyway so whether mm-hmm. they're looking at bringing everyone back to the office or keeping some of them remote there are changes that need to be made whether it's uh, you know your remote policy, or distance between desks, or mm-hmm. dividers, and uh, you know the capacity of your meeting spaces. There's there are decisions that have to be made. So I think a lot of companies are taking advantage of that to think about how they can uh, pull off remote uh, the right way.
0: Yeah, like Tassie and I are working on an episode about risk management, like knowing kind of where you're most at risk and how to mitigate those. Um... I don't know, hot spots. Um, and one of them is home because you spend the most time unguarded in your home. Right. So like if you happen to bring in something or something gets contaminated and brought into your home, then your home is like, you know, and also another hot spot is offices. Um, and And there's little you can really do to, you know, like in your home, you can make some changes, you can make some alterations, but there's little, you can really do when you have office at full capacity in the old system.
1: Right. And I think that's why you can't you need to redefine what full capacity is.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um but I think there's a lot of myths running around out there about like when you let loose your control over your employees like where you're not seeing people in person You don't know exactly how long they're working because, you know, up until this point, we've measured things in time. Right. Hours that you're in the office. Yeah.
1: And I think it's an especially big problem in a case of companies that weren't planning to do remote. They they jump straight. They haven't really thought about it. So they jump straight to what are the worst case scenarios for uh, having my employees not working under my direct observation. Mm
0: Mm-hmm yeah and i so what are some myths that you think like i mean since you've worked from home you hear people say oh you're so lucky because of this or you know um or or you know what are the pitfalls that you fell into in the first you know few years of doing this or how have you kind of managed your time
1: well i think i've gone through the cycles and i think i've gotten to where i am now because because i've done things that didn't work well mm-hmm. um and of course, it what works changes with different phases of my life. When I was first living in Chicago in my twenties, working remotely for a company a state away, um, working the hours I wanted to work. Um, you know, I would start work at three in the afternoon, and I would work through dinner, and then stay up late, and go to bed, and then sleep in. Uh, you know, do the what you would expect possibly a young 20-year-old to do. Yeah,
0: like play Xbox till 3 in the morning play after Xbox work. Xbox till then... 3 in the morning. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and sometimes that worked fine. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, life life changes come along. You uh, have, have different needs. So yeah. I, I think I've just evolved my work habit into the, the current setup where, for the most part, I work traditional hours for our time zone. I sit down at nine or so and take a normal lunch break and I try to unplug by dinner time but uh, even then sometimes just depending on who you're working for it doesn't always work and you need to I think I think a big key is you need to allow yourself to be flexible if your employer is allowing you to be flexible Mm -hmm. for example part of uh, part of this quarantine I found that Uh, As a lot of my colleagues are remote, unplanned, uh, there's been more need for interaction with me. So I've kind of had to adjust my schedule so that I take my afternoons off so that I'm available more in the evening here uh, for phone calls and Slack chats and Zoom calls. I think you have two different issues that need to be examined. The first one and the most relevant right now is a company needs to have a plan in place for having their employees be remote and productive. Whether they intend to be fully distributed or not, obviously this situation came up where we suddenly have the need for employees to not be all together. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if the company doesn't want that to be the standard, this might happen again. Uh, Mm -hmm. whether it's...
0: And it's still happening now.
1: Of course. So we're opening up the economy, but... Right. Whether it's coronavirus resurging in the fall or whether it's some new uh, disease or not even a disease, something else comes up that requires employees to be remote, Um, an employer ought to have a good plan in place so that it it has minimal disruption Mm -hmm. uh, and maximum support. Uh, But then the second question is for a company who sees this and thinks this would be a good opportunity to try to go to a truly distributed model so that you can start to take advantage of some of the upsides, Uh, you know, the ability to hire people from uh, a wider range of uh, backgrounds. Education. Education. uh, You know, you you got a global talent pool. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are definite upsides to going all in yeah. with with uh with remote working.
0: Yeah, and I think also like there's definitely an ethos change that needs to happen. Absolutely. Um because, you know, you can't you can't big brother in a distributed company.
1: You can't just do a traditional work model and uh, tell people to go sit at their homes instead. You, right. you have to change the way you do management. You have to do, change the way you do culture.
0: Yeah. And I think that's like, that's a good segue into, um, into what Matt talked about, like the five levels of a distributed company right. or distributed. Yeah. Company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first of all, he talked about how like a lot of his ideas came from Daniel Pink's book drive. Um, I personally never read it. I've seen it and kind of like heard people talking about it, but I've never read it. Have you ever read it?
1: Nope. It's on my list.
0: It's on your list. (laughs) And, but, but he said, like, if you want people to be happy, productive workers, there's three major things. So this is kind of like the thesis of the book, um, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And mastery, you know, I think a lot of companies are kind of catching on to continuing education, training their employees, like especially in your your field right. where languages been, are changing.
1: Right. And it's been a thing for a while, especially in tech. I, I remember in the early 2000s, everyone being amazed that Google offered, I think, 20% of your your allotted time was supposed to be spent working on whatever you wanted, something to kind of further your education. Mm-hmm. They, they saw the value in that early on.
0: Yeah, and my sister works for a Fortune 500 company, and they do invest in you know continuing education, keep training their their. She's actually like she's a train a person who designs trainings that are online. So, um, so I think that like a lot of companies have caught on to this mastery part, right? Um, and then purpose, like I think that's something that. Some companies do really well. Some companies don't do well at all. But
1: yeah, that's a hard thing. Uh, maybe it's a hard thing to pull off because purpose is kind of so individually defined.
0: Right. Like, you, But but as a human who like is in the workforce, you want to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Like you want to feel good about it. True. Um, so whether you're working for Facebook or working for UNICEF. UNICEF, yeah, like you want to feel like what you're doing is contributing to something that's adding to society. Right. Um, And so, so yeah, I think most people kind of look for that when they look for a job. Some people are lucky enough to find it. Some people have to take what they can get, and and we understand that. But to have, like, happy, productive people. But the one thing that companies up to this point in history – um, have not done well is autonomy. Uh, one of the, the um, uh, anecdotes that I, I can't remember if it was Sam or if it was Matt, um, talked about is like, if you have like this, we'll call him Steve and Steve dresses nicely and he shows up to work on time and he's not drunk and he's just there, then like, even if he does nothing, it will take you several weeks to figure that out
1: absolutely yeah i've seen that
0: yeah whereas and 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 that's like kind of that plays into kind of like this lizard brain of like what it looks like to be like a productive member of society you know like people can get away with being really bad people if they just look like a good person
1: if they're playing the part yes
0: um and and so in a distributed model you, you kind of ha- you, you're kind of like the, as you move forward in these phases, you kind your ethos has to kind of move toward more of a autonomous um, like has to lend itself to, to your employees having autonomy right? Uh, you have to trust them. It has to be output based instead of time based. Um, and so you start to see like a shift in the way. So like the first step, that he talks about the first uh, level um, is that the company hasn't done anything deliberate.
1: And I think that's what a lot of companies are in right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you can work from home if you need to. Um, but you won't be as effective as you are in the office because everything is sort of centered around office life. Right.
1: You're, you're doing what you can on your phone. Maybe you have a laptop to uh, follow up on emails. But uh, for the most part you're just getting by on whatever productivity you can eke out
0: yes um second phase second level i keep saying these are like phases right. but i don't know <laughs> i guess it depends well, on i like...
1: think uh, i think some companies do go through them as phases but uh yeah, yeah. they're definitely
0: levels. levels like goals
1: that you should aspire to if you're looking to do a distributed
0: right so the second level is the recreation of how you would do things in the office but you just do it online right um, and they brought up like words like telecommute. <laughs> right. Which I've always found that has never made sense to me, even from like the beginning of me starting to hear that term.
1: It feels like a very 80s word.
0: Doesn't it? Yeah. Cause like it, I just imagine somebody like at home on their phone all day, like staring at the wall, like yeah. making sales or like, you know, being like a call center kind of employee. Or but their
1: like phone hooked up to a uh, computer hooked up to an old school modem.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very it's very strange that telecommute is still kind of in the vernacular. Right. Um it's synchronous. So everybody needs to be working at the same time. Right. Um you can u- you you're starting to use things like Zoom and Slack. Yeah.
1: But alongside that I see uh, it feels like the level at which employers are still worried that you're not that their employees are not working at their optimum speed, or that they might be trying to cheat the system. Yeah, so I think this is the level at which sometimes companies try to introduce, uh, you know, tracking software and uh, time sheets maybe when they didn't have them before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even heard about software that does remote uh, you know, screenshots on a regular basis just wow. so that uh, employers can see, oh, okay, Steve does have his. Uh, excel document open he's not uh, it's not facebook he's not playing fortnite or anything
0: (laughs) yeah that's definitely true i think that's kind of the big brother phase right like where it's like really tempting to be to be really worried about relinquishing control
1: it's the phase where you assume the worst you assume negative intent that your employees are going to Uh, try to take advantage
0: yeah and i think that can turn some managers depending on personality that can turn some managers into micromanagers like real quick for sure um because you know suddenly they're in charge of this team they're responsible for the output Mm. and they have no visual
1: yeah sam and matt talked about employers uh, uh managers whose management style is essentially just they spend their day walking around looking at their employees uh chatting with them to see yeah. to see what they're doing
0: which is sort of an old factory model yeah right. like if
1: and if you're doing remote you can't do that
0: no no it's not an effective use of your time to even be using these like screenshot right. things like I mean yeah um, so the third level is that you're finally starting to take advantage of the medium. So I think that I think that probably right now companies that had no experience with remote or distributed, um, workforce are probably at level one or two right level three i think requires like some intent
1: level three is for the companies who are seeing the upsides and they want to either continue allowing some remote or they want to go all in
0: mm-hmm. yeah definitely so um one of the, the scenarios that matt described was having an online meeting and does it having a designated note taker, which usually happens like in a typical like corporate environment. Um, but the, that note taker was taking the notes down on an open Google Doc that everybody had access to. right. So and he talked a lot about like language, like how like speech you can take it kind of one of two ways depending on tone or whatever. but when you kind of see it written down, you can start. You start to recognize your. You're either chafing or you're vibing with it, right? Like, right. Um, so you're you're like, yeah, that's that's what's happening. But if you start to see somebody write something down, and it's not how you heard somebody say something, you've got
1: the chance to clarify right then. Yeah. Or even if it's a shared document, you can write your own notes there, alongside the note taker. Absolutely. And it can really, it can really turn your meetings into something more productive uh, i think one thing that some people complain about when you go remote or distributed is that people try to make up for the lack of face time with doing more meetings um and them not being very productive uh but if you if you have shared documents they actually can save you time in other places we had mm-hmm. an instance uh last week where we had a big giant list of uh existing resources that we need to know whether they're still being used or whether we can get rid of them and so our boss said hey i've got this google doc sometime over this week go online and just put your name next to a resource if you need it and he posted the link and actually right there in real time in the meeting everyone just went on and filled it out real quick so instead of taking a week Mm -hmm. to fill out this form everyone just did it right there that's awesome it, it was done in three minutes
0: that's amazing yeah yeah I think incorporating these things is like. It, it requires a level of like creativity, but once you like get started doing it and people kind of get used to how quickly things can get done, you may take longer to do something else, but you are definitely shaving time off of.
1: You can save the time elsewhere.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think this is. This also is when he said that you like start really taking advantage of the technology like on zoom how you can like share your screen uh with other people they can kind of see what is going on right (laughs) you can share documents you can share files um and and everybody can kind of see what you're talking about and working on um yeah
1: if you're talking about something like an interface problem on a website you can just share your screen and show, show them what you're talking about
0: yeah or i imagine like if you have like people weighing in on code being able to share your code Like directly, yes, and have everybody kind of looking at the same things um, would be really helpful.
1: I use a product called uh, Tuple that actually lets multiple developers share your computer at the same time, so Mm. uh, you can do true pair programming. uh, That's amazing from a continent away. Yeah, it's it's
0: awesome. I've even heard of authors like um, I was listening to a podcast about uh, this romance novel. It was like a and the and the author was talking about she co-wrote it. With someone else, and I was thinking about writing with somebody else. How hard that would be. Yeah. But they each took a perspective. So she took the uh female perspective, and her writing partners took the male perspective. Um. And so like they would toss back and forth, but they used the open Google Doc. And she said like sometimes she would just like get her tea at night and open up the doc and like watch her yeah writing partner writing in in real time. And it, like, it was such a cool experience for her because it was kind of like she was part of the writing process. Mm-hmm. And so like when she would pick up the next part, like the, ne- the next chapter, yeah. like that was from her her character's perspective, um, she felt like she had been part yeah. of creating. And that's
1: a level of closeness you can't even really get if you're in the office together in a traditional environment.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it still allows the person to be able to kind of create with a sense of anonymity, right? Yeah. Because like nobody likes to be watched or stood over. Right. Um, or have to like verbalize everything as they're doing it. Uh, and I, I just thought that was really cool mm-hmm. use of technology. Um, and uh, this is also a part where, where he talked about how people start to invest in better equipment, how there are actually microphones. This might be useful to everybody who's working in a house full of people. Um, there are microphones available that will actually cancel out the sound.
1: I was really interested in that part. He also mentioned uh, if you... Don't have a special microphone. There's software that can do it for you. Yeah. uh, Which sounded incredible.
0: Yeah. Like, so the microphones are like headset microphones Mm -hmm. and they're so close to your mouth that they can be, uh, that they can, I think, recognize just only your voice and, and literally cut everything out. So kids can be screaming, dogs can be barking, but the person on the other end of the phone only hears you talking. Um, and also... It can work in reverse, so that if somebody else is talking to you from a coffee shop, um, it can it can filter out their background noise as well, mm-hmm. and that is something. I mean, as a podcaster, um, that sounds really cool because yeah. you know, like we right now are podcasting with dogs, and you
1: can't always count on your interview subject having. Great equipment.
0: Yeah. And you can't, you can't always count on them to have, like, a completely conducive environment either right. to, you know, a super quiet room or whatever. So, so that was really cool. And it's also, like, where he started talking about written communication becoming, like, level three is where written communication becomes even more important than your verbal skills. And I thought this was interesting, especially, like, from a person like you who's worked remotely, like do you find that to be true? Like when you're working with other people and they have like poor writing skills or, um, you know, they're, they're just like a hundred percent verbal and not able to communicate in those mediums. Like,
1: well, it goes both ways. I think there's a definite need to hone your, your writing skills and get, get your idea across. But then I think, and I think Matt touched on this in the podcast, you need to be willing at the first or second moment of friction to say maybe this conversation would be better had uh, in voice. Mm-hmm. Um, because like like he said, you said, can, you can read a lot into writing. Yes. Maybe that's not implied. Um, if you read some passive aggressiveness into it uh, that wasn't intended, or maybe it was, it's better just to get on the phone. And that's kind of a policy I've had for years is Mm -hmm. anytime there's any any confusion or frustration sensed let's jump on a call yeah and take two minutes to straighten it out
0: yeah even personally with friendships like i definitely try to do that like hey let's talk let's just put a pin in this and let's talk about it in person or yeah talk about it on the phone or something like that at least like facetime where you can like see their reactions and and because generally people are more understanding when they can hear tone and see your face. Yeah. Like, and it
1: reminds them that you're a real person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And writing can make you mad real fast. It's true. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. But also on the flip side of that, um, he said that they had hired people without ever talking to somebody in voice. Like yeah. They,
1: that was amazing to hear. Yeah, we, Like just slack. Yeah. I think the the most important thing. Uh, Qualities for them have proven to be uh, good quality code, good clear communication. Because if if your communication is mostly happening through written word, uh, it's probably good to have that as a big part of your interview process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then level four, it takes it to asynchronous. So this is when you can start tapping into like a global pool of talent um workers can work their most productive hours that was our goal right like as like a couple like it was our goal to get to a point where you could work when you wanted to kind of how you wanted to and still be a part of the family right uh especially once we had our daughter um and she was born then like you were able because you worked from home you were able to be there for all of her firsts and... Make
1: Big, a bigger part of her, her day-to-day life.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um, and also, like, even now, at age nine, like, you take her to school in the morning, you guys walk to school, you have that time together, um, you go pick her up, and you're involved with her teachers. And I think that's, you know, traditionally been mom's role. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool that, you know, it just works better in our family when you take that role
1: yeah we're very fortunate that my work and being remote allows me to pick and choose the times that that i can be available to to her and to you
0: yeah and and i think that when you are asynchronous um as a company and you've like that's kind of when you've really given your workers like the autonomy um that they were talking about before yeah that's the point where you really shift to like evaluating your workers based on output over time spent exactly right yeah for you like at this point this is kind of how you work right
1: right yeah i uh like i said earlier i, I enjoy traditional business hours but sometimes that just doesn't work out especially when you're in the middle of a pandemic that, <laughs> yeah. that you didn't expect
0: and it's homeschooling all of a sudden that and, and you didn't you're, expect.
1: you're homeschooling your daughter
0: in a language you don't speak. Right.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I've shifted to, and for this week, I'm working three hours in the morning, and then I've got kind of a longer lunch, and then maybe an hour or two in the afternoon, and then I know after dinner and our daughter's in bed, it's going to be back in front of the camera for, for meetings and phone calls. And yeah. That's, and that's what's worked well right now. And it's it feels good to know that if that stops being optimal, I can... I can change it again next week.
0: Yeah. So level five is basically like Nirvana, right? right? Like he describes that as like the unattainable. Yeah. So it's like the ideal, like you have time. He talks about like doing squats and push ups in between like calls or tasks. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can design your space, your working space and your life around what makes you the most happy and like contributes the most to your well-being
1: yeah and it goes beyond that to the point where it's even more added benefit to the company because you can really take advantage of things like having employees around the globe whereas uh, you know previously you, you're locked into being productive from eight till five o'clock if you have a team of people around the world you can Structure your teams so that you can kind of have multiple people in multiple time zones working on projects and handing things off. I could spend my day working on uh, on a project and then as I'm wrapping things up, touch base with someone on the west coast of the United States as they're just starting and let them know where I'm at and say, you know, run with it and they continue working. And you effectively can have, to a degree, 24-hour productivity.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And it's, I think with teams specifically, that can be kind of a really interesting dynamic to have kind of a baton toss. Right. Um, pass, not toss. That's more of like, a
1: if you can make it work with the toss, that's (laughs) That's, even better.
0: That's more of like a high school football game kind of (laughs) situation, (laughs) tossing a baton. Um, you could tell I'm not like really sportsy, uh, passing. You can have like a baton passing. So like somebody works on it for a their eight hours or whatever however long they get to a certain point i guess hours wouldn't really be how you quantify it anymore right um and then you hand it off to the next person right and they can work with it while you're asleep and then when you wake up you come into like you know all of their comments and you can like fix the bugs and do and all of that stuff so you, you kind of Yeah, like you said, you have this like 24-hour productivity time as opposed to...
1: In an ideal world where previously something took you uh, a month of work to put together, you could conceivably knock it out in in a week or two.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I really enjoyed about listening to him talk through the levels, because now we've gone through all the levels, one of the things that I really enjoyed hearing him talk about was how... Um, you can do meetings, asynchronous meetings. So, um, someone can, can talk about, you know, the problem, what you're trying to solve. Um, and I think in traditional companies, there are a lot of managers who really like to get everybody together in the same room and like, let's hash this out for like an hour and fix the problem.
1: Yeah. A meeting comes about because they've realized we, we need an answer and we need it fast. Um. Yeah. And that's kind of what prompts the meeting.
0: Yeah. And in this scenario, one of the things that Matt described was that, like, you have a meeting over the course of a couple of days. Um, and then you start, like, there's, like, an equality that starts to arise. Because not everyone, I know, like, you and I, like, when as we've worked on communication um, interpersonally, you and I do things really differently. Right. Um, I'm a verbal processor. I'm a fast talker. Um, for people who are listening, they're not surprised by that. Uh, <laughs> for whole processor, I'm fast talker and I can be like four subjects along and you are still thinking about the first thing I said. Yeah.
1: And I need to say, hold on, can we go back to that thing you said two minutes ago?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think this creates a lot of tension in a lot of relationships. Like I've talked to a couple of different people who are more internal processors, slower processors or in terms of like, they're just more deep thinkers like i can just i have to say something before i know what i think about it sometimes right and then i can say a lot of really dumb shit (laughs) (laughs) whereas like with you like you have like a very like when when you speak it has some gravity because you've thought about it like it has been stewing in that little brain of yours sorry that that big brain of yours (laughs) it's been stewing in that big brain that very thoughtful brain for a while and you've thought through the pros and the cons you thought the the ins and the outs and i'm just like i've
1: got it packaged up in just the right way that i'm I'm ready to present to the world yeah Yeah. and
0: i'm like you know 17 subjects down the road and i'm like what (laughs) and you know have like set eight things on fire along the way because i like was just too reactionary and
1: so if you can take the time to Re- rework your company into having asynchronous meetings you know they, they take longer but you you get the benefit of these people who maybe aren't as quick to come up with their opinion mm-hmm. uh, they've got their time to think it through and, and formulate it the way they want and contribute it so you you get more than just the the loud talkers and the fast talkers uh and the impressive people in the suits giving their opinions You've yeah got, uh, uh you know it's a little more of a level playing field
0: Yeah, because, like, there's a lot of research to suggest that women don't speak up in meetings as much, um, that introverts don't speak up in meetings as much, and that maybe people who English isn't their first language. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who is learning a second language, I can certainly appreciate the fact that sometimes you have to sit with a sentence for a couple of seconds before, like, it really makes sense to you. Right. I think the future of the workforce is definitely distributed companies.
1: Yeah, we've we've already been moving that way, and I think, uh, you know, you've already heard announcements from companies like Twitter and uh, other tech companies, especially that yeah. have decided we're we're going to allow our employees to work remotely going forward. Yeah, and I think the big question is whether. Uh, whether they accommodate the culture to to make them to, to make the company truly distributed or whether they're just going to allow them to work remotely and try to maintain the existing uh, you know work structures.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a big question and I think a big struggle, but I think ultimately distributed companies just make a lot of sense. And yeah, so my last question to you was we have a daughter She's nine as a dad who's like in tech and kind of has like these, this experience with distributed working or remote working. um, What do you think are the skills that she's going to need? Like, what are you going to try to teach her um, about and, and kind of instill in her about work going forward?
1: I think the big thing that applies, I think especially in remote work, but really just the life in general And this is something I've thought for a long time that um, I want her to understand uh, empathy. And uh, I think something Matt mentioned in the podcast as well is assuming positive intent. Mm -hmm. That when you're working with people, and this applies everywhere, not just in remote work, but especially in remote work, that you think about what, think about how the things you're doing are being presented to your, to your peers. Mm -hmm. um, And then assume that the things being said back to you uh, are are not malicious mm-hmm. so just the the ability to kind of see the world through other people's eyes
0: yeah absolutely you've said this to me before that you think everyone should know how to code like on a basic level
1: yeah not everyone needs to take advanced c++ programming but i think people should know what goes into writing uh, you know a basic script or basic programming the the idea of conditionals and logic and loops Mm -hmm. Um, i think it's it's good for people to know what's going on inside the computer
0: Mm -hmm. i think so too i'm in agreement with you very good which is not surprising since we right are co-parenting this child together yeah do you call it co-parenting if you're still married
1: i don't think so i think it's just called raising a kid
0: that's only like if you're divorced
1: i think so (laughs)
0: I guess so. Because <laughs> otherwise, just raising a kid, you're yeah. hilarious. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andy. I'm so glad that you were on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I know I, that this I is... I hope n- you'll
1: invite me back.
0: This is not the type of thing that you normally like to do, but um, I thank you for, for your sacrifice.
1: It was my pleasure.
0: <laughs> All right, everybody else, we'll talk to you next week. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of From Quarantine. We are live on all platforms, so you can find us on everything from the big guys like Apple Podcasts and Spotify to your favorite podcast apps. You can get updates on our episodes on Instagram. Just search for From Quarantine. And you can find our full show notes on our website, quarantine.cz. We would love it if you would like and share our episodes with your friends. But if you could also take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that would help us out tremendously. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by the coronavirus outbreak. Live together. Die alone.